0: Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch
1: hey marketers hey business leaders welcome to the marketer's journey today's guest is josh leatherman now josh is the cmo of a company called service express the interesting thing here and he caught me off guard i'll be really honest is the path that he took is not one that you'd expect would end up as the cmo of a company who grew revenue by a hundred million ahead of schedule really wild to look at where he came from overseeing segmentation for political campaigns back in the early 2000s in Grand Rapids, Michigan to take on this opportunity and truly earn his title as a CMO. And I think a lot of us, we look at these opportunities to become a CMO and we look outside of our company. We say, well, if I work really hard here, I'll prove to that next recruiter, that next company that they should hire me as CMO. Instead, in Josh's case, as as you'll hear today, he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to really create these bonds between sales and marketing. He's got a whole bunch of great terms that he uses to create more of a Switzerland type of economy, if you will, between different departments. And that, I think, is really the key to him earning his title as CMO. Really interesting conversation. You're gonna enjoy this one. Here we go with Josh. Hey Josh, thanks so much for making the time to talk to us about your career, about your buyer journey. Let's start with your role as CMO of Service Express. How did that come to be?
2: Yeah, I was, um, at the time, I was actually in customer service in an an operational role with uh, a major newspaper in town. And my wife and I had started a small kind of boutique marketing company where we were marketing on behalf of political candidates for public office. And saw a position with a really a young company, Service Express, a smaller company. They were 30 million in revenue at the time looking for a director of marketing. I applied, there was no real marketing team at that point, but uh, met with Ron Elvistaffer, who's a president, still is a president and CEO here. And he had a vision to really build out a digital marketing team to, to support the sales team here at Service Express. And he had a goal to really build a nationwide IT company. And so I made the leap from kind of a hobby, right? Doing
1: marketing as a hobby to doing marketing full-time. I love that. And, you know, it's very interesting because a lot of the guests that we've had on the marketer's journey, there's this path of, you know, maybe a B2B marketing role from one to the next, this progression in that way. And your your role will impact, your roles in the past will impact have really emphasize brand building and content. But I think, you know, it's really interesting to see the path you've taken where you found this company you believed in, and now, just to set some context for people, how big is the company? Like, What type of growth have you seen? And I think it's about almost nine years since you've joined.
2: Yeah, almost nine years. Um, so when I started, we were 30 million in revenue and we had a what we we called a BHAG to get to 100 million, uh, big, hairy, audacious goal. Uh, to get to 100 million in revenue by 2020, we actually hit 130 million in re- revenue by 2020, and uh, now we have a goal to hit 500 million in revenue. The Service Expressway by
1: 2025. Wow, so high growth business. No kidding, that's uh, that's wild, and and to think that that opportunity started by just looking for that entry into a tech business for you. Gamble obviously for them, gamble for you, and I think that that's what's interesting about some of these paths. I, I want to, before we talk more about Surface Express and you know what you've learned there about scaling the team, I want to go back to the beginning of your career because I, I think there's some interesting parts there. You talked about starting these businesses and, and doing some, I guess, advisory roles for political candidates with me earlier. Can you tell us a little bit about? how that came to be? How did you get your first gig in
2: that space? Sure. So yeah, I studied business in college. I did not study marketing, but I always found that I was trying to create something and market and sell something. In college, I I wrote and created C, CDs at the time and sold those, marketed and sold those. right. After college, I wrote just an ebook when ebooks were, were becoming big, and I learned how to market and sell that. I got plugged into a few candidates for public office who were interested in, in help getting elected and started to realize that we could do polling at that time. We could segment voters at that time and send out targeted content based on what they told us they're interested in, right? And we could actually change elections for, for local candidates for office and uh, statewide candidates for office. And I thought this marketing thing's pretty cool. It's not all about just kind of throwing creative things out there. You really can get to know buyers and you really can do uber targeting based on, on what you know with those segmented audiences.
1: So it's really interesting. And first of all, I want to I want to level set for everyone that we're not talking about you doing this in two thousand and twelve. We're talking about you th- having that mindset of buyer segmentation and understanding and and kind of guiding these buyers back. And when was this? I think early two thousands two thousand early
2: early yeah. I, really, the CD came out in like ninety nine, right? And <laughs> yes. uh, before iTunes and everything. Like it's when like nobody had their own music. Now I feel like everybody has their own music, but CD came out way back then, learned to market that and sell that. As soon as Mailchimp came out, that's when we got into the political space and SurveyMonkey. Like when those things came out, we realized early on that you could apply these to to voters and learn how what interested them and and create messaging around that.
1: it's, it's really interesting to me that you were able to find an area where you were passionate and these ideas today are so ingrained in the way that we approach marketing, especially in a B2B type of organization, like you're running at Service Express. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how you've taken some of those ideas and made them pillars of how you structure your team and think about your team and prioritize different different roles in your team as a CMO today? Yeah, yeah, I'll start
2: with this. I'll I'll just say most of the people, ironically, just like me on my team, don't have marketing degrees, and I'm not against marketing degrees, but um, most of the people on my marketing team come in with the same level of curiosity. And desire to get to know different technologies and buyers. And so we always we, we've got a phrase here at Service Express. We say hire the will, teach the skill. We know we can teach fundamentals, but we cannot teach the will, right? somebody who's got that innate curiosity, somebody who's got that innate desire to do marketing, do do good marketing and create good marketing. So we start with that, hire the will, teach the skill. And then we also employ something called R&D here, which is rip off and duplicate. We, okay. travel, <laughs> we, we travel to a lot of other organizations that are bigger than us and do marketing way better than us. And we learn from them. We've learned that we don't have to, to recreate demand marketing internally. We don't have to, to recreate landing page optimization and drip campaigns and Marketo. We literally travel to companies who are vendors of ours or who do it well
1: and learn from them and bring back and apply you know, what they've done. That's amazing. I, I love that mindset. Uh, Help us understand at what point you were given the torch as CMO there, because, you know, you started off, as you said, in a director of marketing and sales development role, I think, you know, spent quite some time there. At what point did you either feel like you had earned that CMO role or were you approached for that CMO role? Yeah. Yeah. It was,
2: um, you know, the it, it, it really probably was five five years into being director of marketing. As I said, when I came in, we had, you know, we had a marketing coordinator and basically a graphic designer here. Ron Elvisteffer who was our president and CEO, still is, had a vision for the marketing team to to do digital marketing well and to build out an effective demand marketing team that would support our sales organization. And so we started by Jumping on social media, doing paid ads, getting into Marketo, driving leads. We built out a sales development organization because we realized if we're gonna if we're gonna drive leads to the sales team, we need to have people who can field those leads and do something with them and turn them into pipeline. And I also realized in order to be an effective partner for our chief revenue officer, I had to have a good good systems and processes in place that align sales and marketing, right? So created a revenue operations team, which is effectively marketing operations and sales operations. It's a team that oversees all of our technologies from Salesforce to Marketo to our our lead databases and everything that supports our revenue teams. Built that up and we call that uh, Switzerland, right? Because oftentimes... I like you get, that, You get conflict between the head of sales and the head of marketing. Hey, I'm sending all over all these leads. What are you doing with them? Them saying, Hey, these leads are crap. And right. We have Switzerland and, and this is a team which uses objective data and they build processes to help the head of sales and head of marketing align. And over time, I've been able to build enough credibility as a marketer through our contribution to pipeline. That's kind of the big thing that, that we anchor ourselves in. What It's not how many leads we drive. It's not how many impressions we've had. It is what is our contribution to pipeline at Service Express. Mm-hmm. Because if I can build enough pipeline for our sales team, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to work. And it's really once I got those three teams built out that Ron and I think everybody else recognized that I was Pretty much already doing the role of chief marketing officer, and he may as well just give me
1: the title. I love that. You know, I, I was almost going to stop you at one point to to ask, was this all before or after you were CMO? But you know, it, it sounds like in your case, you were given that opportunity because you seized it, and yeah. I think that's what a lot of people. You know, when we look at at these different CMOs it, that we see their career path we often think, oh, well, someone's got to jump to another organization because they've earned it in the previous company. Yeah. Versus in your case, you showed in the company you were at that it's just a matter of, of formality at this time. And, and I, I love that story, Josh, let's let's keep this going, but we're going to take a short break here on the marketer's journey, but then we want to dig in a little bit more to the way you think about a buyer journey. And you've already teed up probably six different tangents we can take. So we'll be right back after the short break.
0: Want to create high converting experiences for your demand strategies that accelerate pipeline and drive revenue? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and Stantec are using Uberflip to to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences to drive demand.
1: Hey, Josh. All right. I'm already intrigued about so many different aspects about your career, but I want to dig into running this $130 million machine and how content comes into play. Because as you said, you were creating content, whether it was a CD, an ebook, political content. So how do you decide the right content to create with, I'm sure, many demands?
2: Yeah. I think, first of all, it sounds cliche, but it really does start with a buyer in mind. And I think there are too many brands that don't do that. You know, I think there's a discrepancy between what brands often think is good marketing and what buyers think is good marketing. The best marketing does not feel like marketing. And it's because the buyer see something and they go, this has value, I want to read it, or uh, it matches what I'm interested in, it matches my pain points. This goes all the way back to when we were working with political candidates. We learned that if there was a voter who was interested in gun rights or gun control, whatever side of the issue you fall on, we probably ought not to talk about social issues or financial issues if they in, they've indicated their number one interest was gun rights or gun control so we would flood their their email their mailbox their phone with that one message and where a candidate stood on that right i think in the b2b space what we've done at service express is we have surveyed our buyers we talk with our buyers we talk with our account executives all the time, and we really understand what are our buyers' pain points, what keeps them up at night, and we don't want to just put out content that's filled with keywords and things that, that
1: mean nothing to them. I want to dig a little deeper on that, Josh, because I, I like the example you gave, of, again, of, of going back to the political issue with gun rights. In that case, as you said it yourself, you know, you ended up talking about the position of the candidate tied to that topic. When it comes to the B2B world and we use the word content marketing, I think sometimes we feel it's just got to be thought leadership and our brand's view can't come into it or our brand name can't come in. It's got to be more high level thought leadership. How do you kind of teeter that line of talking about the issues that your customers talk about, not gun rights in this case, but you know, yeah. uh, you know, IT needs and in, in, uh, in, I assume the service express world. And how do you bring in what you do from a maybe more product marketing perspective and balancing more thought leadership or research that the buyer needs to, to go through?
2: Yeah. I think first of all, we try and bring our buyer in as much as we can, right? So we like to magnify our buyer in our content because our buyers are not as concerned about knowing and understanding our brand and what we think as much as they're concerned about knowing and understanding their colleagues and what they think. So one of our most successful content pieces is a, an annual survey that we do to hundreds of IT buyers. And we simply ask them, what's going on in your data center? Because at Service Express, we live in the data center. We want to make sure our brand is positioned as you know as people who are helpful in the data center. So we ask them, what are your pain points? What keeps you up at night? What do you plan on doing next year? And we simply curate that information and we provide it back to our buyer without really a marketing message for us. We just we know that if we do not provide that kind of value, the service we provide can be commoditized, right? We but we offer way more than than just a service.
1: So take that example of that report where you're going to have these findings of of what's keeping people at night, up at night rather. I assume that your buyer can range from someone as, as high as a C-level, you know, perhaps a CIO or a chief security officer or others, down to some of the actual IT admin type of roles. Um, and without getting into the weeds of these roles, anyone listening can imagine you know, the realm of, of influencers in their buying decision. Are you getting to the point from a content perspective where you're adapting the information that you serve depending on which buyer? Yes,
2: yeah, imagine marketing technology today allows you to take you know hundreds or thousands of um, respondents to a survey who may respond to twenty different questions and start to segment that that all of those users right you know, our intention is not to sneakily do that and market to them, right our intention of of doing that is to understand for every single buyer, we want to create a buyer's journey for them that is meaningful, that answers their, you know, that, that has answers to the problems they're facing or that aids them in helping make decisions for their data center and their teams in the next 12 to
1: 18 months. So within that, I'm curious only because it's it's the hot topic of almost any marketers conversation these days. Have you gone from these persona level segmentations down to account level segmentation yet at this point where you're personalizing down to the actual account that you're creating pipeline around? We have. Nice. And what does that look like from a content perspective is, you know, when I talk to CMOs, I think that's where, a lot of them get overwhelmed, especially those that talk a big content game, but maybe aren't, aren't yeah. thinking as buyer centric as you are in that they feel like they're going to have to create too much content versus yeah. really, as you said, maybe segmenting the angle of the content.
2: Yeah, I think it's two things. I think when you decide to do that you have to go all in on content marketing. We have an internal team and we've invested heavily. We have a number of graphic designers, a number of writers. Uh, you know, We've got uh, one, but su- soon to be two video people, editors. Like We've gone all in on creative marketing because we, we know that the institutional knowledge that our team has over our buyer is much better than if we go and contract out to agencies who don't have much institutional knowledge for the buyer. So we want to be helpful. And so we've gone, gone all in on content marketing. The other thing is, it's important that if marketing is able to glean these characteristics, these wants, these desires, these needs from our buyer, that we have a cogent and effective way to communicate that to the sales team. Because we don't want to be the only ones who speak to that through content marketing. As these people enter the kind of the sales and marketing funnel, it's important that our sales development reps and our senior account executives understand as well how to speak that buyer's language.
1: Absolutely. I I, I mean, that's something I preach all the time, the importance of There's no value in all that content being created by this group you've invested in if the rest of the organization isn't gonna leverage that content or even know which content to leverage at the right point of the buyer journey. So I couldn't agree any more with that, Josh. And you know, on that note, we'll, we'll wrap up this part, although I could chat with you probably for hours on this. We're gonna keep you around though right after a short little break here for some bonus coverage. We wanna to get, to li- uh, get to know a little bit about how you take some time for personal journeys. Right back after this break. all right josh we've unpacked your career which is amazing how you've been involved in growing and now leading the growth at service express we've talked about the buyer journey and how content is so important but amid all of that how do you take time for yourself for family for friends where does that come into into the play especially with a target now for 500 million in revenue
2: yeah (laughs) yeah it's you know this is an area I've grown and I've, I've learned to be better at, you know, when you're a part of a growing organization and you've got so much going in terms of hiring, pipeline production, acquisition stuff going on, you know, things can get pretty crazy, but I've got an eight year old and an an 11 year old two boys and I've learned we, we certainly take the big vacations, but I I've learned that I need more than just that. And so we live here in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is a beautiful area. Um, in the summer, the boys and I and my wife kind of pick different hobbies and things to do. And last summer it was biking the White Pine Trail here in, uh, in Michigan. It goes from Grand Rapids, Michigan to Cadillac. It's a hundred miles up, a hundred oh, wow. miles down. So we did kind of section biking where every, every weekend we take and we do 15 to 20 miles and then we ended the trip with a big vacation in Cadillac at a resort. And so I've learned, you know, I don't want to wait for the big vacations. Like the weekends have to be meaningful because the family doesn't get to see me as much. My colleagues here see me more than they do. And so I've got to make sure that the weekends are are meaningful and memorable for them and myself.
1: I think that's a great way to look at it. And I, I can relate myself with three of my own and, yeah, you know, weekends... Yeah, not that you live for the weekend, but you have to make the weekend count, as you said. So that's great advice for everyone, Josh. This has been a, a great opportunity to sync with you. You know, I'll, I'll let you put a call out because I know at Service Express, and you said you're in Grand Rapids, Michigan, that you guys are hiring. Yep. What type of marketers are you looking for, and where should they reach out to you?
2: Yeah, so they can look me up on LinkedIn, Joshua Leatherman, Service Express, or just J Leatherman at ServiceExpress.com. We are hiring creatives demand marketers, digital marketers, sales development reps. Heck, we've got senior account executive positions open nationwide. They can go to serviceexpress.com slash careers. And uh, yeah, we've, we've got a lot
1: of positions available right now. Amazing. Thanks so much, Josh. It's been really great getting to know your career, how you got to this point as CMO. I can't wait to Get the update is, you know, before 2025. I hope you crush that 500 million target again ahead of schedule. Congratulations for everyone who's tuned in and enjoyed Josh's story. Listen to some of the other guests that we've had here on The Marketer's Journey. You can tune in on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. This has been The Marketer's Journey and a big thanks to Josh in today. Thank you, Randy.